case. All right. All right. Welcome, Christian Israel. Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia. And we're back on the air after I spent a week uh, in a southwestern trip. We'll talk about that more probably tonight on Restoration Hour. Very eventful for me. And uh, it was the rally on last Saturday with the Aryan Freedom Network. I'll talk more about that tonight. And uh, today we're going to be going back into First Kings chapter eight, and but we have a lesson uh, about patience with regard to Saul's sacrifice, which we covered, I think it was uh, two or three shows ago. But very important lesson from that. So uh, go ahead uh, with that, Dan. Take it away. Okay. The title of the article is "Why Was It Wrong for Saul to Offer a Sacrifice." In 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul and his army were waiting for Samuel to arrive to offer a sacrifice before going to war. Samuel had not yet come, and the soldiers were preparing to flee rather than fight the Philistines. Growing impatient, Saul chose to offer a sacrifice on his own. Just as Saul finished the sacrifice, Samuel arrived and said, You have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command." Yahweh, your God, gave you. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. Why was offering a sacrifice foolish? Because Saul had disobeyed a direct command from the prophet Samuel given in First Samuel chapter 10, verse 8. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. <clears throat> These seven days were evidently to teach Saul patience and dependence upon God. He waited the seven days, but just barely. As soon as the week was up, he offered the sacrifice on his own, refusing to wait any longer for Samuel. Okay, now I think there's a, excuse me, but I think there's a, a, a lesson here for us because we want this world order to end so bad that we're ready to take up arms and destroy it. Okay? Because we, we want it to end, right? But it's too big for us to destroy. 
We have to wait for, uh, for Yahweh's timing, and just as we had to wait for Yahweh's timing for the ad, first advent at, uh, you know, at Calvary, you know, in, uh, in Palestine, so we have to wait for Yahweh's timing at the second coming, alright? So we can't jump the gun. We, we can't rush things. It's gotta be done His way. I think that's part of the lesson here. Back to you. Okay. In this presumptuous act, Saul showed a variety of weaknesses that made him unfit to be the king, including impatience and self-reliance. His offering showed that he did not want to work together with Samuel, Samuel or obey God. Rather, he wanted to take control of the situation himself. The king was to follow the Lord's commands, yet Saul felt he could do as he chose and thus made a foolish mistake. Another indirect reason that Saul's action was wrong is that Saul was not a priest or a Levite. Thus, he could not legally offer a burnt offering or peace offering. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin and was not to do the work of a priest. However, the biblical text notes that the direct reason why Saul's sacrifice was sinful was that Saul disobeyed Samuel's command. Samuel was a prophet and person of authority, and the word of the Lord had been spoken through him to Saul. In fact, King David, the king who followed Saul, offered a burnt offering to the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 25, we read, David built an altar to Yahweh there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. In this case, however, David did so in obedience to the command of the prophet Gad. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 and 19. Many valuable lessons can be learned from Saul's situation. First, it is clear that God desires our obedience. Second, much patience is often needed to fully follow God's word. Third, there are negative consequences when we choose our own way instead of God's. Though it may not be easy or convenient, obeying God's word is the best choice for our lives and for our service to others. So in other words, we have to learn patience and uh not all of our desires will be fulfilled immediately. You know, instant gratification is not Yahweh's way. Okay, uh, two lessons here. But also, the fact is that kings of Israel were not to intrude upon the Levitical priesthood. There were separate offices, and kings were not allowed to offer sacrifices that only Levites were instructed to perform. Okay, so even though David offered sacrifices, they were not Le- Levitical style sacrifices. Uh, they're the office of king and priest were therefore separate. Uh, and so, uh, the later kings like, uh, uh, the, uh, just before the days of Christ and during the Maccabean period, the kings took it upon themselves to offer sacrifices on behalf of the Levites. And that was uh, wrong. They were not supposed to do that. And that's another reason why uh, the Judahites in the Maccabean period began to decline. They fell into <clears throat> civil war. And then uh, ultimately the nation collapsed because the fact is the priesthood and the kings were not obeying Yahweh's law to the letter. All right. So we have to maintain a separate uh, distinction between the, the royal lineage and the priestly lineage all right back to you okay that concludes the article so i'm going to get back into first kings 
Chapter 8, verse 44, that's where we left off. Okay. Um, is that where you want to pick up at? Or uh, yeah, maybe just back and- yeah, back up a, a hair and uh, get, set the context. So 44, let's see if there's a uh, heading here for this area. It doesn't look like it. So I'll go uh, back to 22. I'll okay. go back to 22. That's where we have Solomon's Prayer of Dedication. Oh, okay. I'll pick it up there. That sounds good. Okay, All First right. Kings chapter 8, verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of Yahweh in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Yahweh, God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keeps covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart, who has kept with thy servant David, my father, that thou promised him. Thou spake also with thy mouth, and has fulfilled it with thy hand as it is this day. Now therefore, Yahweh God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that thou promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that the children take heed to their way, that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. And now, O God of Israel, let thy word, I pray thee, be verified, which thou spakest unto thy servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built it. <clears throat> Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Yahweh, my God, to hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prays before thee today that thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, my name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of the peop- of thy people Israel, when they shall pray toward this place. And hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And when thou hearest, forgive. If any man trespass against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou in heaven and do and judge thy servants, condemning the wicked to bring his way upon his head and justifying the righteous to give him according to his righteousness. Okay, there's no escape from judgment. It's going to be either in your favor or against (laughs) against you, right? Mm -hmm. There's no escaping it. And that's, that's what, and, uh, uh, Swamp Fox made a note in the chat room. The antinomians think they're going to escape judgment. <laughs> Sorry. Ain't going to happen. Back to you. With, without judgment, there's no justice. That's correct. So, and everybody wants justice. Has to be. Or do they? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Verse 33. When thy people Israel be smitten down before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee and shall turn again to thee and confess thy name and pray and make supplication unto thee in this house. Then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. What did it say? them again. Confess thy name. Okay. Right? Confess thy mm-hmm. name. Well, it's not Lord. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Jehovah. It's Yahweh. All right? Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that it's Yahweh. And there's some people might pronounce it slightly different, like yeah, Yahoa, and but it's you know in the short form it's Yah, you know, 
meaning the I am. That's what it means. The, the, the great I am who is the source of all creation. And he wants us to use his name. All right? So we got to use his name if we expect to directly relate to him. All right, back to you. Yeah, because the word the word God just means king. Right. And it's, it's kind of a generic thing. You can't have a personal relationship with somebody if you don't use their name. Yeah, and the same with L-O-R-D. It simply means master, you know, uh, master mm-hmm. of the house. Uh, you know. So th- that's a title also. Uh, uh, Exodus three fourteen and 15 clearly say, Yahweh is my name. Uh, there is no other. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Moses went down and told the Israelites that his name is Yahweh. Period. Okay, back to you. Verse 33. When thy people Israel will be smitten down before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall turn again to thee, and confess thy name, and pray, and make supplication unto thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy people Israel, and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest unto their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. Okay, now have the, Jew, the, have the Jews ever confessed committing any sins? No, they never make. No, they, they, that's right, that's right. So how, how could they possibly get forgiveness when they never confess that, that, that they have sinned? Well, you know, obviously usury is the most, the frequent sin they commit. However, they they fall back on that one verse in Scripture that says, "Well, you can lend money to non non Israelites, you know." And of course, they pretend mm-hmm. to be Israel. They fall back on that. However, when they debauch the currency, they are uh, violating the law of uh, honest weights and measures. Yep. So, so nevertheless, so the way they lend money violates that provision automatically. So they're still sinning. Will they ever confess to doing anything wrong? Never. Never. Which proves they're not Israel, because Israel has always confessed its sins to Yahweh. But the world is so duped, and they think that the Jews are, quote, God's chosen people. Right. That they're able to continue their charade. Yeah. Please, Yahweh, let me be the judge of the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Yahshua needs help. <laughs> Our people need help in understanding the scriptures and what the laws really mean. Back to you. This is so important. Verse yeah, back to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, verse 37, if there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever made upon made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hand toward this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give every man according to his ways, Amen. whose heart thou knowest. 
Okay. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. That's right. Uh, blasting is blight. So I guess it's kind of a, a, a skin condition, you know, for humans and probably uh, yes, likewise for plants and animals. Seems to be pretty wa- broad terminology here. All right. Yeah. So then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and do. So the children of men here is, you want to guess what it is? I'm going to say a doll. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Ding! You, you, you get a point. <laughs> I get a point. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You're, you're getting lots of points. The mer- uh, merits. Yeah, you're getting merits. we got to bring back okay. the merit and demerit system, right? Because it's true <laughs> for all of us. Uh, Yahweh knows our hearts, and he, he will give you merits and demerits. When, when you Merits when you succeed, demerits when you fail. All right? Okay, back to you. Verse 40 that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake. For they shall hear of thy great name, and of thy strong hand, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray toward this house. Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for that all people of the earth may know thy name to fear thee and do as do thy people Israel and that they may know that his that this house which i have builded is called by thy name okay if thy people go out to battle against their enemy whithersoever thou shalt send them and shall pray unto Yahweh toward the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house that i have built for thy name then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. So is it any clearer they, that non-Israelites are supposed to know Yahweh? Mm-hmm. They can't know him like we do, but they're still supposed to know him and obey him. That's been mm-hmm. our job, but we failed miserably <laughs> in teaching them to obey Yahweh because we don't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right, We're supposed to lead by yeah. example. Yeah. What? Lead by example? <laughs> Never heard of such a thing. It's, uh, we're really falling short. But, you know, and, uh, well, uh, I, I, Rob and I have uh, done some calculating, and because of that great find at Mount uh, Ebal, yeah, Mount Ebal, where the Israelites under Joshua pronounced a curse upon the Canaanites, and they found this little lead scroll that contained the name of Yahweh and the word curse. That's basically curse, 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 curse. Yahweh curse, Yahweh curse uh, our enemies. And that's what they did. They pronounced that curse on Mount Ebal just before invading Canaan land. And they have dated that uh, entry to 1406 B.C. Very clearly, that is the year that the Israelites invaded Canaan land. So it turns out that the 70th Jubilee from that date is 2025. We're coming up on that very, very soon. What's the significance of that? Wow. Okay, well, because the house of Judah had to serve 70 years in Babylon as punishment for their failure to observe Yahweh's laws, 
uh, you know, up until that point in time, that number 70 is a judgment number. Okay? So get ready, mm-hmm. folks. Judgment is coming. It's coming really soon. Get ready. Yahshua may be coming back. It may just be a warning year, but it may be the judgment year as well. So get ready. In fact, you know, the uh, Feast of Atonement is the beginning of the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the Jubilee. Every uh, The Jubilee year always starts on the Feast of Atonement every 49th year. And so it's it's not a calendar year. It's a, uh, you know, how should I put it? As opposed to a calendar year, it's a uh, special year, for lack of a better term, that begins on the Feast of the, of the Atonement. It does not count as a calendar year, and it lasts one full year. So according to my reckoning, next year, 20, oh, so two years from now, 2024, a Feast of Atonement is the beginning of the last Jubilee, the 70th Jubilee. It may be the last, but it definitely is a warning to us. Get ready for the second coming. Back to you. Verse 46, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that doesn't sin, and thou be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land whither they were carried captives, and repent, and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captives, saying, We have sinned and have done perversely, we have committed wickedness, and so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, which led them away captive. And pray unto thee toward their land, which thou givest unto their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. And forgive thy people that have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions wherein they have transgressed against thee. And give them compassion before them who carry them captive, that they may have compassion on them. For, for they be thy people and thine inheritance, which thou bringest forth out of Egypt from the midst of the furnace of iron, that thine eyes may be upon, uh, open unto the supplication of thy servant and unto the supplication of thy people Israel, to hearken unto them in all that they call for unto thee. For thou didst separate them from among all the people of the earth Amen. to be thine inheritance. As thou spakest by the hand of Moses thy servant, when thou bringest our fathers out of Egypt, O well, Lord God. Wow, this chapter of Kings is far more important than I ever realized because it contains all this mm-hmm. language. It's easily, it can be used to separate Israelites from Jews because the Jews never admit to doing anything wrong. So if they don't admit to doing anything wrong, they're not asking for, you know, they're not using repentance or asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Can it be any clearer? Now, we Israelites have to uh, accept what First Kings chapter 8 is telling us and be ready to repent because what happens on the Feast of Atonement, we have to uh, repent. We have to fast and do some soul searching. Some really serious soul searching. So the way it works is the Feast of Trumpets announces 
the day, the final day, the final year of the fall feast days, the Feast of Atonement says, okay, this is your last chance to repent and clear, clear your soul from sin. And then the Feast of Tabernacles is when he comes to tabernacle with us. That's what the fall feasts are all about. So, folks, get ready. It's it's gotten ready to happen. Be patient, though. <laughs> right? Be mm-hmm. patient. We can't rush it. Back to you. Verse 54. And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto Yahweh, he arose from before the altar of Yahweh from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be Yahweh that has given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Yahweh our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us, nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, which he had commanded our fathers. And let these words, let these my words, wherewith I have made supplication before Yahweh, be nigh unto Yahweh our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant, as the, and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as the matter shall require that all the people of the earth may know that Yahweh is God, that there is none else. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with Yahweh our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments, as at this day. Wow. And the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before Yahweh. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto Yahweh, two and twenty thousand oxen, and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of Yahweh. The same day did the king hallow the middle of the court that was before the house of Yahweh. For there he offered burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. Because the brazen altar that was before Yahweh was too little to receive the burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. And at that time Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt, before Yahweh our God, seven days and seven days, even fourteen days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and went into their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that Yahweh had done for David his servant, and for Israel his people. Okay, so it doesn't say that any of these offerings were sin offerings. Okay, they were offerings of gratitude and, uh, you know, for the temple, for the temple priests, you know, because they had a great feast. They gotta, they gotta have food for the feast, right? <laughs> so it was peace offerings, uh, various kinds of offerings, uh, but no sin offerings are mentioned here. I'm gonna I'm gonna print this chapter out because this is really the blueprint of what we Israelites have to do to maintain our let's put it, our standing with Yahweh. 
are standing with Yahweh, for lack of a better term. So, very mm-hmm. good stuff, very good stuff here. This is a highly important chapter. Okay, let's go to chapter 9. Chapter 9. <clears throat> and it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of Yahweh, and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that Yahweh appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And Yahweh said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. Okay, okay. Have have the Jews ever had a king? Have they ever had a dynasty? Never. Never. All the proof in the world. I mean, these two chapters prove that the Jews can't possibly be Israel. Back to you. Yet the world it just doesn't read their Bible. Right, <laughs> they don't. But they listen to preachers, right? Mm-hmm. Wolves in sheep clothing, as I like to call them, pulpit bastards. They listen to the pulpit mm-hmm. bastards, but they won't listen to the true word of God. No, they won't. Or Yahweh. <laughs> I just fell into their habit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, verse 6. But... If you shall at all turn from following me, you or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have hallowed for my name, will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. Oh, that, right. house, which yeah. Isn't that happening today? Isn't that happening yeah, today? It is. Where is your God, O Israel? Why don't, where aren't you being protected by your God? Well, he doesn't protect sinners. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. By the way, we're, yeah. we're worshiping that God Baphomet, that, uh, hermaphroditic God that has the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, genital, uh, of, of both male and female, mm-hmm. that transgender God that everybody is worshiping today, right? Oh, well, you mm-hmm. can choose which gender you want. They yeah, what about, I mean, that's probably the biggest slap in the face yeah. to God. The way he, he creates you as a man or a woman and you try uh-huh. to change that that he has created you as. Amen. Amen. That's Luciferian. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. What, what does Genesis 1 say? Male and female, he created them, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. say choose your gender, right? Uh, or there's 49 and a half genders. No, there's only two. Yeah. All right. That, that's true down to the insect level. No, no creature chooses its own gender. That is Yahweh's. He made you either male or female. Live with it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. There you go. All right. Verse 8. And at this house, which is high, everyone that passes by it shall be astonished and shall hiss. Yeah. And they shall say, I'll Why be go- has Yahweh done this 
Yeah. Yeah, well, they shall say, Ami, go home. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Boy, we're in trouble. We are in serious trouble mm-hmm. until we repent. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would recommend every night that you pray to yes. repent. Yes. Because you probably it, did something wrong yeah. <laughs> during the day. I know why I did. <laughs> yeah. well, what's that song? Turn around. <laughs> you're seven. Turn around. and you're Well, turn around and you've done something wrong. Right? Because mm-hmm. we just do things habitually without thinking about them. And that's what I... Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, I've been eating too much sugar. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's why I'm all stuffed up. So I finally figured out, I got a, when I was in Oklahoma, uh, I talked to Sister Debbie and she gave me a, a concoction, <laughs> which is supposed to clean your guts out. So I'm going to start taking that concoction. What did she give you? What was it? Uh, I have to find out. She just cooked something up on the stove. It was sweet, but I think it was the sweet came from honey because honey is not as bad because it has uh, what do you call it uh, innate hydrogen peroxide, which is good for you. Okay, it cleans mm-hmm. you out, and so I have to send her an email and find out the formula uh, for because uh, uh, the doctor in Harrison said I've got leaky gut, and so the only way to oh. clear leaky gut is to go through a thousand enemas. <laughs> Right, and even that, that because that doesn't get into your small intestine; it only cleans out your large intestine. And so mm-hmm. she has a, an old, old herbal formula that uh, her family has kept, you know, with that with them for all these generations. And so, well, it, I tell you, the one a cup I took of it really works; <laughs> it cleans you out. So, but I need to do this on oh, a regular okay. basis, right? And and then stop eating sugar. So the yeah, sugar, uh-huh. and of course, the problem also is, uh, what is it, uh, glyphosate and other pesticides, if you buy store-bought, uh, even, you know, uh, vegetables, fruits and vegetables, they're all sprayed with pesticides and, and they grow in dirt that's mm-hmm. uh, loaded with pesticides. And you got to go completely organic to avoid all the pesticides, okay? So mm-hmm. I've been doing that wrong. So I've got to go organic. And so I'll, I'll probably do a show on this uh, in the near future about how to get off of pesticides because uh, all of us have been eating pesticides if we're not eating. And even if you're eating organic, you, there's no guarantee that you're not consuming pesticides. So the, mm-hmm. that's, we have to get off of uh, the you – know, this is another way Lucifer destroys our society mm-hmm. by, you know, by not eating properly. All right, back to you. Yeah. Okay. Verse 8, and at this house, which is high, everyone that passes by it shall be astonished and shall hiss. And they shall say, why has Yahweh done thus unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer because they forsook Yahweh their God, Amen. who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have taken hold upon other gods and have worshipped them and served them. Therefore has Yahweh brought upon them all this evil. And it came to pass at the end of 20 years, when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of Yahweh and the king's house. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold, according to all his desire. That then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. And Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, and they pleased him not. And he said, What cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? 
And he called them the land of Kabul unto this day. And Hiram sent the king six score talents of gold. And this is the reason of the levy which King Solomon raised for to build the house of Yahweh and his own house and Milo and the wall of Jerusalem and Hazor and Megiddo and Gezer. For Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire and slain the Canaanites that dwelt in the city and given it for present unto his daughter, Solomon's wife. Huh. And Solomon built Gezer and Beth Haran the nether, and Baalath and Tadmor in the wilderness in the land, and all the cities of store that Solomon had, and cities for his chariots, and cities for his horsemen, and that which Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. And all the people that were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, which were not of the children of Israel, their children that were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel also were not able utterly to destroy. Upon those did Solomon levy a tribute of bond service unto this day. But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no bondmen, but they were men of war, and his servants and his princes and his captains and his rulers of his chariots and his horsemen. These were the chief of the officers that were over Solomon's work, 550, which bear rule over the people that wrought in the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up out of the city of David unto her house, which Solomon had built for her. Then did he build Milo. And three times in a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar which he built unto Yahweh. And he burnt incense upon the altar that was before Yahweh. So he finished the house. And King Solomon made a navy of ships in Eziongaber, which is beside Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea, with the servants of Solomon. And they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold for 120 talents and brought it to King Solomon. Okay, so uh, the word Kabul means sterile. Uh, so there was something wrong in the land there. Hmm. Maybe it was in the territory of uh, uh, you know the two cities that were destroyed by Yahweh because all of the wickedness, right? So, uh, but there was something about it that's called sterile. So every indication here is that Hiram was a Yahweh believer. And I'm pretty sure that Tyre was in the territory of either Dan or Asher, but the Israelites controlled that territory. And it doesn't tell us, but I think Hiram was actually a member of one of those two tribes. So uh, I'll see if I can find out, you know, for the future, which tribe he belonged to. All right, chapter 10. Okay, chapter 10. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of Yahweh, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, 
and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of Yahweh, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was told was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be Yahweh thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because, because Yahweh loved Israel forever. Therefore he made made he the king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store. And the precious stones, there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Uh-huh. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir and brought in from Ophir great plenty of almond trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almond trees pillars for the house of Yahweh and for the king's house, harps also and psalteries for singers. There came no such almond trees, nor were seen unto this day. Okay. And King uh, Solomon gave unto Those apparently are sandalwood, but I think the uh, you know, Strong's Concordance is simply guessing there. Sandalwood. Okay. All right. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, verse 13, and King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. Beside that, he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of all the kings of Arabia, and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went to one target. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory, and overlaid it with the best gold. The three, uh, the throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side of the place of, his, of the seat, and two lions stood beside the, stra- the stays, and twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not like, there was not the like made in any kingdom, and all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. So it was just normal? The king. (laughs) (laughs) Normal. No, not silverware. Goldware. Mm Mm-hmm. For the king had at sea a navy of Tharshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tharshish bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So okay. King Solomon extended all, right. all the kings hold, of the earth. 
Yeah, yeah, because Tarshish, that's Spain. So uh, this is telling us, uh, and we know that the uh, Israelite ships came to America to mine copper in Michigan. They sailed up the St. Lawrence River, mined copper in Michigan, and they were they left their mark all over America, leaving the name of Yahweh in stick figures. Okay, so that uh, this is this is uh, biblical proof. That uh, the, the ship, the Navy of Tarshish, again, at this point in time, Hiram was a Yahweh believer, and probably of one of the twelve tribes of Israel, the northern tribes. So again, this is proof, uh, evidence, not proof, but evidence that these ships were under either Hiram's command or Solomon's command, and they came to America. There's absolutely no doubt they came to America. Back to you. Verse 23. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt and linen yarn. The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150 And so for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria, did they bring them out by their means? Okay. In the chapter 10. All right. Now this brings up an interesting point, however, because the, uh, we're not supposed to have a standing army. Uh, we're supposed to have, uh, what do you call it? Uh, militia. Uh, Israel is to have a militia, and every able-bodied man of Israel is supposed to be a warrior or potential warrior, okay? And that's what the the basis of America is founded on, a militia concept, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, did we really need all of these things? It's, uh, it sounds to me, and of course we're, we're seeing here that Solomon is adding to the splendor of his throne unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. unnecessarily. So is this beginning to go to his head? Okay. Is he developing? I think so. As we go into chapter 11, we'll see it is. Okay. Let's go there. All right. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Oh, no. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh. <laughs> That's a bad start to chapter 11. <laughs> oh, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the word strange here? It's not Adam. It's Nokri. It oh, you're looking up too. Nokri. Yep. 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 Different race. Outlandish. Different strange. Race. Alien. Foreigner. Okay. You should know better. Oh, it also it's says. Put ad- here by Yahweh. Yeah. Adulterous. So, and, and of course, this means in the racial sense. But he's really not supposed to have a harem anyway, right? One, one woman is good enough. <laughs> All right? So... Yeah, there's, uh, 
Polygamy is permitted in the Bible, but it's forbidden for kings. Yeah. Kings are not to multiply wives. Right. And that's yeah. in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, this is... Kings this are not to multiply wives. Chapter 11 starts out really bad. Back to you. Yep. I'll read it again. But King yeah. Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Ugh. Of the nations concerning which Yahweh said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their Ugh. gods. Solomon clave unto oh. you in love. Okay. Yeah, here. Uh, if you want to make love to me, worship my idol. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, how could he go so wrong? How is this possible? Yeah. For a man who had... it all went to his head. I yeah, there you he, go. He got very comfortable, you know. Right? Too comfortable. He had everything. Yeah. He got too comfortable. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Yahweh hasn't allowed me to be very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't think I'll go that way. All right, back to you. And he had 700 wives, Ooh. princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. There you go. And I'll say something here, too. You know, a lot of people say, oh, that's a, a thousand different women. You know, that's in, you know, he wasn't with that many women. But when you think about it, from marriage in God's eyes is when the man and the woman had sex. Right. That is when they are considered married in his eyes. Right. So it's very, very possible Solomon, with all of his wealth and riches, have no problem right. finding women who would be want to be his wife. Right. Sleep with him and be his wife. You know? Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, and he was depriving Israelite men of being their husbands. Right? Yep. To, yep. That, that's Multiplying another. wives unto himself. Yep. Right. Okay. And verse 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with Yahweh his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of Yahweh and went not fully after Yahweh, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, wow. and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. <laughs> and likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. That is amazing that he, yeah. would, he would do all that. You know? Well, in a sense, again, this is uh, prophetic because... We, his people, Israel, are acting just like Solomon did then. Right? Mm -hmm. So they may not actually yeah. be building altars to the God of abortion, but we're just standing mm -hmm. around doing nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got to go get back to Yahweh. Back to you. Yep, verse 9. And Yahweh was angry with Solomon <laughs> because his heart was turned from Yahweh, God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which Yahweh commanded. Wherefore, Yahweh said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, 
and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son David for my servant, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. And Yahweh stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the king's seed in Edom. For it came to pass when David was in Edom, and Joab the captain of the host was gone up to bury the slain, after he had smitten every male in Edom. Oh, oh. For six oh. months did Joab. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, in Did verse 14. Something? Yeah, yeah. So he was of the king's seed. Okay, so mm-hmm. he was one of the, uh, forbidden offspring of Solomon. Let me check, uh, let's see. Properly a part of. So, yeah, so he had uh, made love to Edomite women. And apparently Hadad was one of Solomon's offspring. Okay, so Yahweh. So Yahweh says, okay, you're going to have mixed race yeah. children. I'll turn them against you. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, that's interesting because I never noticed that. In the yeah, that's, well, that's, that's, that's why we're going through. Over it. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, that's why we're doing this a second time, right? Because the first mm-hmm. time we were, you know, trying to get through, because you know, it's a long process to read every verse of the Bible, right? It, it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it took us 12 years or something like that the first time. And, uh, uh, I think it, yeah, so, uh, not, maybe not that long, but it okay. took a while. And we didn't, not, even, we didn't even do Psalms. We didn't right. Our proverbs. I don't oh, think yeah, because, those. yeah, those are also very long and, you know, let, let people read them themselves. <laughs> but, yeah, so th- this is a, a tedious, long, arduous process, although we're having fun with this. But then when you take your, and be patient, you learn a whole lot more. All right. So we're learning a mm-hmm. whole lot more than we learned the first time. So back to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Verse 16. For six months did Joab remain there with all Israel until he had cut off every male in Edom. That Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, to go into Egypt, Hadad being yet a little child. And they arose out of Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came to Egypt unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which gave him a house and appointed him victuals and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him to wife, the sister of his own wife, the sister of Taphanes, the queen. Huh. And the sister of Taphanes bare him Genabath, his son, whom Taphanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genabath was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. And when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the captain of the host, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, let me depart that I may, may go into my own country. Then Pharaoh said unto him, but what hast thou lacked with me that, behold, thou seekest to go to thine own country? And he answered nothing, Howbeit, let me go in any wise. And God stirred him up another adversary, reason, the son of Eli. Eliada, which fled from his lord Hadadezer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men unto him, and came, became captain over a band, 
when David slew them of Zobah, and they went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned in Damascus. And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, beside the mischief that Hadad did. Uh-huh. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephrathite of Zerida, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David, his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that was in the... The young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahiah, the Shilonite, found him in the way. And he clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field. And Ahiah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith Yahweh, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give it, give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes." And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desires, and shall be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Huh. So I sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. And, and Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. And the rest of the acts of Solomon and all that he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And at that time, and and the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Wow. Okay, very important chapters here in First Kings. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. And there's nary a modern Judeo-Christian who knows anything about this episode, okay, the, 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 the separation of the two houses. They don't know anything about mm-hmm. this. All right, brother, very good. We're learning more and more. Yep. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. All right. 
All right, folks, thanks for listening. Praise the we pass the ammunition. Get ready for the judgment day. It's coming soon. Take care. See, see, see you all next week. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.